church in a limited family that are very well respected. They spend a lot of time over in the UK. They travel the world and they're very uh, they're prophets who have got a good track record and they're held in very high regard by the people that they've been around. And um, they gave us a prophecy in the infancy of our church. And Duffy and I were just reading through it this week. And as I tell you about it today, some things are going to make sense. And it's Amazing how good God is. You know, when you get a word from God, His word doesn't fail. He's absolutely incredible. You know, there's a verse in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18, it says this. This I charge to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. So you see prophecies and we see warfare in the same scripture. Often prophecy doesn't come to pass because we've got to be the ones who warfare through. Yeah. God will give the word. That's his intention, but it's up to us yeah. to, you know, go after the things that he's spoken to us. You know, something I've spoken a lot about recently is that new ground doesn't come without contention, and I have definitely seen that to be true. I'm sure many of you have as well. So I'm going to read you out a few things this morning from our prophet David and Greta Peters, and then I'm going to speak to it a little bit. This was in our first year of uh, as a church. In fact, we were actually in our home at the time. These are the words. Even though your beginnings are small, your end will be much greater. Despise not the days of small beginnings. Be faithful a little, and God will entrust much more to you. Don't have a wait-and-see attitude, but if God's called, you, God's called you to this, then be fully committed to it. You don't see the full vision yet, but for God will unfold it over the coming years. He will show you one step at a time. Don't be frustrated by this, but steward well what he's already shown you and he'll show you more. From the outset, instill values of prayer, mission, awakening and revival. Don't accommodate yourselves to those uh, in the land that you guys are in, but go after what God has called you to and stick to it. Now, I want you to just listen closely to this bit. She, uh, Greta goes on and says, God's appointed man to labor six days and then to rest on the seventh. God has also appointed six years for the land to be sown and harvested, and the seventh is a rest year for the land. Church Limited Sydney, in the next foundation phase of building the church, ensure you build deep and solid foundations. It's the most important phase, as good foundations will determine the strength and the longevity of the building upon them. Remember 1 Corinthians 3, verses 10 to 13, and Ephesians 2, verse 20. Christ is your cornerstone. Build carefully and with expertise. Use top quality materials of gold, silver, and precious stones. She goes on to say this. I feel it will take about six years to complete. Again, in the seventh year, you'll begin, you'll begin to sense a rest in your spirits. Six years. So we're in October 2023 right now this prophecy was given to us in October 2017 six years ago to the exact month so church exactly six years later from this prophecy we have now finally finally nailed our new building so thank you Jesus man as I was reading this this year uh, this week blown away you know, God is a mysterious God, but He gave us the word six years for this particular phase, and then we'll move on into the seventh year, and then there'll be a year of rest, and the foundation that has taken place will start to build. 
exactly six years. You know, if ever you needed an indication or reminder that we're exactly where we're meant to be as a church today, let it be known to us today that this is exactly where we're meant to be. God's timing is perfect. If it had been my timing, when we applied for the building, we would have gone it the week after, like six months ago. But God is in control. And God is the one building this church. Absolutely amazing. When you get a word from God and you can, it's been tested and you know what's true, make sure you warfare over those things. Duffy and I have looked at that prophecy many times over the years. And actually, I had forgotten about the six-year part. When I read it and I looked at the date, it was exactly six years. And God's brought us into a new phase. So very, very exciting times. So here's a few key dates for us moving forward. Um, so we take over on the 1st of November. So uh, November 4th, it's a Saturday morning. Um, love you to grab a coffee and come along to the church building. Uh, it's in Ingleburn. I'll, I'll post up the address. Um, come along at 9 a.m. on a Saturday morning and we'll go and dream together. Nothing's done there. Nothing's fitted out. Anything like that. But let's come have a look at it. We'll pray over it before it comes our new home. So that's November 4th at 9 a.m. We'd love to have you along. Um, November 12th is going to be the last service for us in this building, which feels pretty crazy, but it is. So we're going to have a, 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 um, a service on Thanksgiving and Testimony Sunday. So our heart is that if you feel to share, everyone gets a kind of um, couple of minutes just to share what God's done or something that has been important or something that God's done in their life. So if we can limit you to one to two minutes, please don't preach a sermon because we'd like everyone to uh, have a go. You can tell me your life story afterwards. Um, but on that day, if we can just uh, share a short, powerful testimony. So November the 19th. So this is going to be our first service at this stage. November the 19th. So... Because there's a bit of a fit-out to be done, in the, we're going to have a proper official opening. It won't be in November. We'll just move in, just get services happening as per normal, and there'll be a bit of a gradual fit-out. Some things take a while to order. Some things take a while to be uh, done. There's quite a few um, exciting things. But, yeah, we'll definitely have an, a, an official opening, but we'll keep you up to date with that. You know, God's provision has already started. Uh, two days after we got the building, I met with someone in this church, and... Um, they work in air conditioning, and uh, we were just, you know, I kind of asked, uh, you know, what, what, what does it cost for a building of this size to be fitted out? Um, you know, we're on a church budget, so we're doing everything as um, as lean as possible. Um, but he goes, oh, um, in my job, because he manages a team of people, um, and they do air conditioning in Cronulla, they're pulling down a big office block. Uh, they're ripping the whole thing down in order to um, install 200 apartments. So it all has to be changed. And the air conditioning in that place was about to be thrown in the bin. So he took it and took it home and his boss said that was okay. And um, yeah, so our church would have got twenty dollars or $30,000 worth of free air conditioning. <laughs> God is providing. So if we can keep playing, look, I'll tell you, church fit-outs are not cheap. Now, I visited the church the other day and um, they had these like nice black curtains. I was like, oh, those are nice. How much are they? He was like, oh, they're about $60,000 for a curtain, right? <laughs> How good does it make you breakfast? I don't know. But church fit-ups are not cheap, so we'll, we'll, we will talk about that um, in a few weeks' time. But if we can keep praying, this is God's house. Yeah. It's his, his place. He will do the fitting out. I'm going to pray in what God is going to do. So, um, 
Yeah, today's a day to be grateful, to be thankful. I want to thank many of you who've been with us for some for a short time, some for a long time. It doesn't matter. We're all on the journey together. Thank you for believing with us, uh, praying with us, crying with us. Now today we're laughing. Thank you, Jesus. He has moved. So it's absolutely fantastic. You know, I'm really excited as well, I guess, because what God's doing here is it's bigger than myself. It's bigger than Delfina. It's bigger than what God is just doing in this room. God's taking us on a journey together. And when God grows something, we all get the chance to move and grow with it. Many of you are going to move into your calling. Maybe you're already in it, but God's going to keep moving you and keep advancing you. You know, we move as an army. And I was praying here last night, and yeah, I really feel God's raising an army. It's not about the person on stage. It's not about a few select through, um, a few select people. It's about an army growing into what God's called us to. There's a big job to be done. There's a world out there that needs answers. You know, you think about Sydney right now, and even with what's happened in the Middle East, and the, even just in Sydney alone, so far away from what's happening, there's unrest, there's confusion. No one knows what's going on. But when you know who Jesus is, and He's your foundation, doesn't matter what happens out there. We've got the answer. The world, Sydney, Southwest Sydney, needs that answer. And we're going to be part of that answer to bring revival to the city. Got to carry on just a little more with um, with the prophecy given. There was a couple of other really key things that uh, that that they spoke to us. It said Church of Sydney, excellence honors God as you build. Do things with excellence. Give your best to Him and for Him. Aim to be one of the most reputable builders in Australia. The Lord intends this to be a booming area spiritually. The things of the kingdom are to be flourishing. You've been sent here to build a new church and to dig new wells which will form a part of the foundation, especially dig deep wells of worship and of prayer. Worship and prayer are vital to building a sound foundation. Prioritize prayer. My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Let it be this from the start. Prayer is the precursor of all things. Nothing happens without prayer. Bathe every, every major decision in prayer and the Holy Spirit will guide you in the right direction. Prioritize worship. You have built a stem. So you have a substantial worship team and this is not by accident. It's a sign. God created us to worship Him, to express our love for Him. Worship ushers in the presence of God. Church of Limit Sydney, as you dig new wells of living water, spread the living water far, channel it into society. You know, I think there's some great insight here of what God wants us to be doing as a church. Prayer, we've been speaking on prayer a lot recently, been encouraging all of us, myself included, to up our prayer life, to up our prayer game, to go deeper in our walks with God in terms of prayer and to see miracles take place. The other one I probably haven't talked about a lot is worship. Um, many of you won't have seen me on the drums as uh, I was uh, kindly removed for the current season, don't worry. <laughs> There is an end game to this. I'm going to be reviving my career and no one is going to stop me. Not even my dear wife. <laughs> but worship has always been big on my heart. And I don't just mean worship that blesses the body when we come on Sunday. I believe that God has put songwriting upon this house. I believe that God is going to burst some songs that will reach a generation in this house. This is not me doing it. This is something God has given me that I can't seem to let go. I believe God's going to do that. So as we move into the new building, and even over COVID, we spent quite a bit of time writing and going deep in God. And I believe God's bringing that back. 
We're hoping next year to be able to release a few songs. We do have a few, so keep posted with that. Keep praying into that. But worship and prayer are going to be the forefront of this army moving forward. You know, a phrase that God has given for me as we go into the next season for our church comes from Isaiah chapter 43. We've used the verse before. It says, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. You know, I just that thing about making a road in the wilderness. You know, many people are living in the wilderness. They live in a land that's dry. Maybe they once knew the Lord. Maybe they walked away. Maybe they don't know who Jesus is, but I believe that our church is strategically placed to bring a road to the a road to the cross in the land that is dry. You and I were called to bring wells and rivers to people that are living in deserts. We've always been big on the reality of who Jesus is, the reality of the Holy Spirit, and we want to continue going after that. We're not going after performance, we're going after His presence. People can visit church and performance is not going to change anyone's life. They might go, oh great, that's sounding great, but there's no real transformation. When the presence of God visits your life, it changes you from the inside out. Can I encourage you all this morning, keep going after the presence of God. Don't just settle for where you're at today. Keep moving forward in what God's got for you. Make time to go after His presence. Make time to pray. Make time to keep seeking His face. You know, I know I had a word on strength and numbers. I put that in my back pocket for this morning. Too many amazing things have happened this week. And I guess what I want to really preach on this morning is, what do we do with the words that God has given to us? What do we do... When we know that we have a miracle, but we haven't quite seen it come yet. I believe it's one word. It's faith. Faith. Can we turn to Hebrews 11, verses 1 this morning? sense of what you're doing and how you're doing God thank you Father that you still are in control we thank you Lord God for the miracle of a new building the new season we thank you for the prophetic word that is so accurate God we thank you for your word God we just pray that as we look at your word this morning God stir our faith would you God stir our faith not to be limited to just ourselves and how far that we can see but to place our faith in an unlimited God where absolutely anything is possible Thank you, Father. Amen. All right, let's read Hebrews chapter 11 this morning. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things that are visible. Faith in itself is substance. To have, a subs- to have substance, we need to live a life of faith. But what exactly is faith? I think it's the thing that we hold on to being Jesus when we are believing and hoping for something that we have not seen materialize yet. 
It's holding on to hope in God that even though what you see in the physical is not what you know God has given to you. You know, holding on to hope for me recently has looked like when God gave me 2 Kings 6 verse 1. And there's a phrase that there says, this place is too small. This place is too small. I had to look back at when God first gave me this verse, and it was in February 2019. When I got that word, I was excited because I thought, oh great, God's going to move us quickly. Little did I know that COVID was going to make a visit to the whole world, and that I'd have to hold on to that word for a whole lot longer. Maybe today you sit here and you're holding on to something. You know God's spoken to your heart, but maybe it hasn't happened yet. Maybe there's a miracle that you're waiting for. Maybe it's a physical miracle that you're waiting for. Maybe there's a miracle in your family that needs to happen. Maybe it's restoration amongst family members. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's your own kids. Maybe there's something else. Maybe it's in a job. There could be so many things. But maybe you need to Hold on to hope, knowing that God will move. Because when God chooses to move, He will move. What I've also seen about the promise of God is that, yes, He's the one who does the miracle, but it does actually require action on our part. See, what does the Bible say? That faith without action or without deed, it's dead. So we actually have to move with God. We can't just sit there and wait for Him to do everything, but there is action on our part. To be taken. Yes, it's on God to provide and to bring to birth the promise, but it's on you and I to speak to it and to walk in faith. See, when God had given or gave the promised land to the Israelites, it didn't come without giants, it didn't come without great trials, it didn't come without deserts that had to be endured. I think the fact that many Israelites who saw God's hand in Egypt and yet did not reach the promised land, says that you and I have a part to play when it comes to God moving in our lives as well. What miracle or what situation are you contending for today? My question is not whether God has the capability to bring it to pass, because we know that He does, but it's whether you and I are in the position to see it come to pass. Are you putting your faith into action in order for God to move. See, there is faith in action, and I believe that it's actually biblical. If we look at Jesus in the Bible, there was literally nothing that he could not do. He was raising the dead. He could make food multiply. He was changing water to wine. He had control over the weather. He, was, he had spiritual power to make demons flee, and he saw healings of all kinds. But, There's a verse I'd like us to consider today in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 58. We can turn there, please. Matthew 13, verses 58. This is part of the story where Jesus went back to his own hometown. And we read these words. And he did not do many miracles because of their lack of faith. Another, ver- uh, another version says he could not do any miracles because of their unbelief. Isn't it amazing that Jesus, Son of God, the Savior of the world, was limited in his power by the people that were 
around him. Your miracle, your promise, and your breakthrough is linked to your faith. No action, no need equals no faith. I believe a lack of faith is us living a limited Christian life. You know, I've been, at times, there are sports teams which I lose faith in really, really quickly. The first one would be the New Zealand Warriors. Every year, I'm just, I, I just can't do it. And I write them off. But this year, they proved me wrong. And they got through to the semi-finals, I think it was. Semi-finals? Yep. Semi-finals, there we go. But you know what? I have to admire people that have faith despite the uh, track record of certain sports teams. But I think in that, there is a lesson to learn. That it doesn't matter what's happened in the past. I don't mean sports teams now. Let's go back to a life of God. It doesn't matter what's happened in the past. It doesn't matter maybe if you haven't seen your miracle. Holding on to God in faith and not letting our words dictate our destiny is actually really, really important. If we're busy saying, oh, I don't think it's going to happen. Oh, I'm, you know, I'm not sure if God wants to do this for me. Oh God, I don't know what to do about this. So we start to talk negatively. Most probably the words we talk is probably what's going to happen. You and I need to watch the words that come out of our mouths. Choose to speak with faith. Even if you don't see it. Man, in the middle of COVID, and I had this verse, this place is too small. Well, at that time, this place is too small was my house because I couldn't come to church. And I was like, God, I don't know about this word over here. But I am, I am so grateful that God can see the future. If God's spoken a word to you, don't let that thing go. You've got to hold on to it. Like it said in 1 Timothy, you've got to fight the good fight. You've got to wage in warfare over the words given to you. I know that many of you have had prophecies over your life. You've had verses given you. People pray of you. And you've gone, yeah, that's great, that's great. And put that in the back closet. And maybe it's got it's sitting on the table gathering dust. If God's given you a word, start to pray over it. If it wasn't God, well, then that's fine. It's not going to come to pass. Test it. You need to test, test the words that you get given. Talk to good people around you. Look at the Bible. Does it line up with the word? Come and talk to me if you want. I'll tell you. You've got to make sure that you test it. But once we get from that part, and if the word is from God, fight over it until you see it happen. We had 12 spies. They went and saw, looked at Canaan. God has already said he was going to give them the land. And 10 of them said, nah, it's too hard. What are you looking at right now? You think, oh, it's too hard. I can't get over that. Maybe it's some habits in your life. Maybe it's some things you've got going. Maybe it's your speech. Maybe things at home are really, really tough. Maybe this thing, oh, it's too hard. I can't do it. Can I tell you? Choose to speak with faith. Be like Caleb. Be like Joshua. Yes, we can take the land. In this church, we're a yes church. We're going to make sure that we do all that God has called us to do. It might not look pretty, but we're going to put everything we have into God and go after Him with all that we have. Faith in action is biblical. Faith in action is biblical. You know, there's a quote I've read, and it says this, Whether you think you can or you can't, you're probably right. Now, I think there's elements of this that are true. Elements of it 
that I think could be very, very true. Often if we think something can't be done, that's probably what's going to happen. But if we think it's possible, then it's very, very likely going to happen. Can I encourage you? Start to be a people who speak with faith. Faith is declaring that today that no matter what the circumstance looks like, we have ears and eyes and a mouth of faith. Eyes continually looking for the miracle that God will do. Ears constantly keeping an ear out for what God will speak to us. And like I said, our mouth making sure that we speak with faith because our words are going to equate our destiny. You know, there's a great lesson we can learn this morning uh, from the servant of Elijah. And we can just turn to 1 Kings chapter 18. And we're going to read the verse this morning. So the background to the story, we've just seen Elijah win a major miracle on Mount Carmel. We've just seen him do incredible things that are still in the middle of a drought. But now Elijah bows his face to the ground and he begins to pray. Now what happened is that he sent his servant out six times to go and look at the sky and to see if anything was happening. Now let's just go to verse 44 of 1 Kings 18 says this then it came to pass the seventh time that he said there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea so he said go up and say to Ahab prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you you know can we just stop here for a minute how often do you and I go outside and we look at the sky and it's basically blue? We're like, oh, what a beautiful day. There's not a cloud in the sky. Often I'll say that there might be a couple of little clouds, but I don't worry about them. It's just a beautiful day. There is no cloud in the sky. You know, the servant could have gone back the seventh time. Can you imagine going to the same place to check something seven times in a row? I could imagine maybe he was a little bit sick of this by the seventh time. Go back, like just says, go back, and then go back again, and then go back. But when he went back, he saw one small change. Now have a look at your hand. Some have big hands, some have small hands. Some have seen to cut our nails. But our hands are not very big. Our hands are not very big. But the servant went and saw the smallest change in the sky. And it was a cloud the size of a man's hand. See, the servant wasn't looking for what stayed the same. He was looking for what had changed. The servant had learned, I think, an important lesson, which was this, perspective. Perspective. Looking for where God is moving and giving thanks for what seems small and insignificant. Because when we focus on those things, God's going to keep doing more. If you're looking at your life this morning and all you seem to see is a landscape that's not changing, then the thing that needs to change is your perspective. There's a verse in Psalm 34 and it says this, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. 
A change of perspective is linked to praise, to worship, and our speech. To change your perspective, it says to magnify the Lord. What does a magnifying glass do? It makes an object appear bigger to you. The size of the object hasn't changed, but your perspective of that object has changed. If you want to change your perspective, magnify the Lord and make Him bigger in your life. A loss of perspective can lead to a loss of faith, because all we see is what hasn't changed. A new perspective can fill you with faith on what God is doing. The servant's faith that just I have seen a cloud the size of a man's hand was enough for Elijah to say, the miracle is here, go and tell Ahab, rain is coming, and he's going to get flooded out if he doesn't move quickly. Maybe you're struggling to hold on to God for different things this morning. Well, it's time to get that magnifying glass out and make God bigger in your life. The object, Jesus, hasn't changed. But our perspective of Him has. We need to grab that magnifying glass out and go, God, I'm going to magnify you this morning. In Psalm 34, before it, it talks about how that um, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. If you want to change your perspective, start to put God in His rightful place. Put some worship music on. Put some praise music on. Start to lift Him up. Start to exalt Him. Thank you for the little things that He has done. Thank you for the big things that He's done. And your faith will be stirred. You know what? That God can move again. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but God's going to move again in your life. My prayer this morning is that breakthrough comes and that your perspective moves to realize that God is absolutely unlimited. God has not changed. It's our perspective. We've started to look the wrong way. We're looking at the clear blue sky saying there's not a cloud in the sky, but yet there's something small on the horizon. Thank God for the small things that He does and He will continue to move and He will continue to break through in your life. shared on often in Galatians 6-9 and I know I, I use it a lot but I think so many Christians don't get to the end of this verse Galatians 6 verse 9 let us not grow weary while doing good for a due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart growing weary this morning can I encourage you that your miracle is just around the corner but your job and my responsibility is to not grow weary we must hold on to the good because those words there in due season see our building it didn't come five months ago when I wanted to why? because it wasn't quite our season when God wants to turn the tap on he will just last week 
for our own life personally and within church. So much happened just like that. When God wants to move, He's not limited by anything. He will turn the tap on. Can I tell you, the miracle will come, but your job is to not grow weary while doing good. Doing good, holding on to faith. Doing good, speaking a positive mindset, not getting negative in our speech, not talking to others and just unloading negativity, but holding positive speech, saying, God, I know that you are going to move. It says that you'll reap in due season if you do not lose heart. What well, can I tell you, if you're starting to lose heart, find faith again. Put your faith in Him. Hold on to Him. I don't know who I'm speaking to, but hold on to the good. Man, I've been through some crazy years over COVID and all that kind of thing. But there's a verse in, um, in Psalm 27 that said, If I did not believe in the goodness of God, I would have lost heart. If God is good, then you need to hold on and you need to stay strong. Maybe I'm encouraging. Maybe I'm a little bit uptight this morning because I was so excited. But can I tell you, hold on to the good in God because He will move. God's arm is not short that He cannot save. There's a verse I was reading in Isaiah the other day, Isaiah 7. And there's a, a, a king there and he's saying that, oh, he doesn't want to bother God with his requests. And then the prophet says to him, but yet you want to bother men with your requests. But you can actually bother God because he can actually do it. And it goes on and he prophesies that the Messiah is going to come. Jesus' arm is not short to move in your life this morning. It's not It's not that. You've got to hold on for your due season. Sometimes God needs to work character. He's working a, a bigger thing. See, God is always looking at the end game. He wants to work this first before He gives in to our request. He has to do a work in our life. Why didn't we get a building four years ago when we got that verse? I don't know the answer to that, but I don't need to know the answer. I don't need to know why things take longer than they should. But all I know is that I've grown a lot over the last four years. And I'm grateful that God took me through those hard times of having to hold on to Him. Because when everything comes easy, it doesn't build grip in our lives. God's interested in your end of you getting to heaven. And when God says, well done, you good and faithful servant. But so many Christians, we get so stuck in, oh, God hasn't moved in my life. Oh, what was me? I can't do anything because he hasn't moved in my life. And we get so focused on ourselves. The gospel was never about just us. It was about everyone. Jesus didn't come for the well. He came for the sick. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve. The gospel is so counterculture. We're all about protecting self and looking after self. And there is some health in that. But apart from that, there's a world that's dying out there. And Christians are so worried about keeping ourselves together. Can we wake up as a church? I don't just mean us, but the church itself needs to wake up. Needs to wake up. God wants to move in mighty revival power. When are we going to see the churches full of me? When are we going to see life groups being full? When are we going to see thousands and thousands of people being saved and healings come? When God visits His church again. But the bride has to get ready. We've got to hold on for a due season. God will move. I'm never going to let go of revival. God's placed it upon my heart. Most of you know I was just a boy racer from Auckland. Not interested in really following after God. Then God called me. And now I stand here today. I don't stand here because I've done anything amazing. But I said yes to God and I've held on to His promise. Some of you, God has called you to mighty things. You've got to hold on to the promise with all that you have. 
Because the devil will contend for your ground. See, the devil has an inkling quite often. He has an inkling of what's going on. He has an inkling of things happening. You think about Daniel in the Bible when he prayed and he fasted for 21 days. The answer came from heaven straight away. But there was a battle that happened in the heavenlies. Somewhere in that 21 days, too many Christians, they give up and they quit and go, oh, I didn't get my miracle. I fasted for three days, it happened, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to bother with that again. You never, ever give up. Sometimes the Christian life is just this. It's just grit. It's just not giving up. It's going, God, I'm going to hold on to you no matter what. If Jesus had to, if Jesus battled with his calling, how much more are you and I? He pleaded with God twice. God, take this cup from me. It's too hard, God. I can't do it. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. God has called this church for something. And maybe some of you think I'm intense, but I know that God has dropped something on this church that is so incredible. And I want to stir the church to lay down our lives to the cause of the gospel. When you get to heaven, the house that you want to buy doesn't really matter. That job that you're going after, yeah, it's good, but it's not really going to matter. All those other things, you know, it's not going to matter as much as, hey, did you lay down your life for the cause of the gospel? I often wonder, you know, I hear many pastors and they visit other countries, normally Western Western world kind of pastors have, or leaders have visited countries in the third world, and they'll go there and see incredible miracles, and then they come back here and... Nothing really happens. Why is that? There's a desperation in countries that don't have a lot. And when you get desperate, that's when God moves. So often we just become fat Christians and feed me, feed me, feed me. Take in the word, take in preaching, but we don't do anything with it. There is a world to be one, church. There is a world to be one. And I'm speaking to myself as much as I'm speaking to anyone else this morning. Church that surrender our life and put it upon the altar. I'm telling you, church, we're called for something greater. I don't know what it is. But God has burdened my heart to see a nation one back to Him. Why can't the church change history? I'm waiting for people in power and politics to change the world and to change laws. We can change the entire country with the power that lies within us. But often we just look at our surroundings and our, and our shortcomings and the walls that we have and think that this is as big as it's going to get. God is not limited by anything. You know, he put the earth together literally with his voice. This whole incredible world put together with his voice. How much more can he help us to win souls and to take back the ground that the devil has stolen? Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. We need to magnify God in our situations. Too many of us magnify our problems. We magnify our faults. Magnify habits. Magnify other people. Don't ever get jealous of a life that someone else lives. God's got a unique calling for you. Run after that and you'll you'll be satisfied. If you're chasing what other people seem to have on Instagram or whatever else and think, man, I wish I had that life. Can I tell you that life is... That life is not all it's cracked up to be. Do you know why? Because it's not yours. 
live the life that God's called you to live. Amen. I pray God's stirring some hearts this morning. May the fire of God burn out in, in our hearts. You know, in Isaiah 6, and God's there and He's saying, Who will go for us? It breaks my heart that God is looking for a people to go. Let church not become a box that we tick on a Sunday. Let's not just have our conscience appeased by coming to church and hearing a message. But let God become your all in all. Just jump on the guitar. This morning we're going to magnify God. And I've said a whole range of things. If anything, if nothing else landed, let's be grateful for the building. But if God has stirred your heart for more than what you've currently got right now, start to worship Him. Make Him bigger. Let's not magnify the problems that we've got up there. Let's magnify the Lord in our lives this morning. We're going to go on to the blessing and a couple of the songs. Maybe the team back up. And we'll go from there.